Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. Episode 84 of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It's indeed One Man's Opinion, right here, uh, wherever your favorite podcasts are, are found, wherever you've downloaded I mean, you have to seek this out, don't you? I am Jeff Manns, by the way. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, commenting, liking, favoriting, however you found this show. We do so appreciate it. You could find me. I am part owner of the Elite Sports Network that includes fantasyguru.com. All your seasonal fantasy football content, baseball content too, about to close out a championship in fantasy baseball very excited about that but uh, fantasy football weekly rankings projections buy low sell high the trading breakdown the trending roster trends across cbs yahoo espn sleeper it is all found there at fantasyguru.com waiver wire assistance a live 24 7 chat room as well go out there and to get it we just lowered the prices at fantasyguru.com so Go uh, get in, say hello when you chime in in the chat room. EliteFantasy.com, that's where you see all the screenshots. $100,000 winner. Congratulations uh, to our guy, our subscriber at EliteFantasy.com for uh, taking home $100,000 this past weekend in fantasy. Football was an amazing accomplishment for sure. And our guy, Bonos907, um, that's the screen name at Yahoo. He actually won the $15 and the $5 overall tournament, won $105,000 and a ticket to the live final for that one, $20,000 valuation on that ticket. So 125 grand, not bad for a weekend of, of daily fantasy football. So go get it over elitefantasy.com cash game breakdown every Friday live stream 7 p.m. Friday nights my lineup coaching sessions every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern time we have every single day of the week we have coaching sessions lineup review on Monday quarterback coach on Tuesday running back coach Wednesday wide receiver coach on Thursday tight end coach Friday defense special teams coach and our lineup coach on Saturdays, everybody. So get over there. Nobody will help you become a better daily fantasy player than us at elitefantasy.com. And of course, elite sports betting, all your legalized sports betting needs. I had a shitty week actually in sports betting where I was three and five in my eight bets across there uh, this weekend. So for under 500 there, but still over for the season. So not worried. Never been under 500 in my life in betting on football. So again, EliteSportsBetting.com for that. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. A lot to talk about today, y'all. I've been busy, busy bee over here. Uh, some research projects that I've been working on for Fantasy Guru Elite Fantasy and the betting site as well, and uh, other things. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about. A little recap week two what went right what went wrong things that we will work on going forward we'll do a full week three preview as well you know i'm going to have survivor pick your bet of the week your upset of the week as well so i got all that going on as well but i will get in i want to talk about 
my Hall of Fantasy League, uh, those of you who know, I own the Las Vegas Pocket Kings, uh, along with Marquette King, the former punter of the Raiders. And, um, you know, we're one and one on the season. We did our draft over a month ago, six weeks ago at this point, and we had a little different take of it on our draft. It's a two-quarterback league, and we did not go quarterback. I kind of punted quarterback altogether. So, you know, one and one, feeling good. But I, I did a little, little uh, research here through the first couple of weeks, and let's check in and see how the quarterbacks are actually performing. I said this the entire preseason and I stand by it because I've been through this, but two quarterback leagues, people panic. They fear of missing out fear of missing out. A real problem. Like that's a real freaking problem in all of fantasy sports, by the way, but um, two quarterback league. I have to go draft a quarterback drafting a quarterback early does not mean you drafted the right quarterback. It does not mean you're going to get the most points out of the quarterback. And, you know, I'll see, did that, has that worked out? Has that not worked out? We're going to dive into that later on in the show. So a lot to get to again. Thank you uh, for downloading and subscribing to the podcast. Please spread the word, everybody. We want to do as much of these episodes as humanly possible. It is uncensored. So if by chance you have the kitties around you, put in those earbuds, put on those uh, wireless headphones or however, or, you know, clear out the car, whatever it is, because I'm going to curse like a fucking sailor over the next 60 or so minutes. So uh, just be forewarned, everybody. Uh, let's get into it. Week number two, recap, you know, week one, Smash City, everything went well, pretty much cleaned up, betting, DFS, seasonal, Everything looked pretty good. Uh, week two did not go that well, did not go that easily, at least. It's still, I think there's a lot of good that came out of it, but we definitely sensed our first hiccups uh, of the season here, specifically in the DFS realm where people freaked the hell out. Uh, so let's get some takeaways, um, some things I'm trying to, I'm going to, for those of you listen to the SiriusXM show, uh, I host Elite Sports every weekday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Channel 87. Uh, and that I'm going to try to give you some other thoughts, some things that I haven't got to because on the podcast, I did that last year, and it's important. Every Monday and Tuesday, I have a list of 50 things that I want to discuss, and I get to three because I go bananas on Cordero Patterson and our other bullshit. Um, a couple items. Uh, recap week two. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a disappointment. And you need to pick up Daryl Henderson immediately. Or I'm Daryl Henderson. Daryl Williams uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs. This fumbling, blowing the game for Kansas City is never going to go over well. But Edwards-Hilaire also has been really poor. He has just a 19% short yardage efficiency rating. Uh, That means he's positive. getting the yards he needs when two yards and under and getting the touches. And that includes goal line carries and goal to goal situations. That's over the last two years. It's absolutely horrific. It's just, it can't happen. And that's been a problem. They know it last year. That's why they passed on the goal line. They'd started incorporating. Remember Travis Kelsey scored on like an end, a tight end end around. They started doing the jet sweeps and, quarterback keepers and bootlegs and they they did all these fancy things on the goal line 
to make up for the fact that Edwards Lair just couldn't get it done. Well, in the playoffs, they came to find Daryl Williams need to be their goal line back. Now they hope to give that job to Edwards Lair. They did it several times in the preseason. He failed. They did it week one. He failed. And now again, fumbling the football, giving that win to the Ravens, he failed. If you don't think Andy Reid, Andy Reid doesn't need this shit. Andy Reid's not going to stand for this. So Daryl Williams only owned in 31% of fantasy leagues right now, folks. And I, I think that's a big mistake and something you need to go rectify. Don't spend a ton of money. Don't go out and get Cordell Patterson on waivers. Don't do something like that. These are wasted moves. We need to be efficient with our fab budget, free agent acquisition budget. Need to be efficient with it because spending for whoever did the most that week is just a bad idea. And there's perfectly capable and guys whose arrows are pointing up that are available to you in the best offense in the league in Kansas City, like Daryl Williams at 30% of snaps over the first two weeks. You know, that that's a guy that needs to be owned in every 12-team league. So, you know, that that's one of my takeaways from this past week. Didn't really talk about that very much. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, another offense that's absolutely in ruins right now. I mean, you can't play this bad. We know Carson Wentz, as of this recording, is two sprained ankles. They haven't ruled him out yet, but I strongly doubt he plays. You're looking at possibly Jacob Eason going to Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's secondary sucks. But so does Jason, Jacob Eason. So they try to run the ball against Tennessee, and it's a terrible matchup. Tennessee's tough. They're stout on the interior with guys like Jeffrey Simmons to stop the run. But meanwhile, their secondary can be carved apart, just not by Jacob Eason. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Indianapolis. Jonathan Taylor, a lot of people were freaking out after that game. His goal line efficiency has been very bad. Um, just it it's not just him right the, the colts were bad they ran seven goal to go plays four rush attempts by jonathan taylor he gained zero yards we know zero on the entire season inside the 10 yard line as well but here's a little note on that that across the national football league in week number two teams ran a total of 45 goal to go plays and scored on six of them 13 percent. it's bad Right. It's bad. It's even worse. There's five turnovers on those 45 plays, which is 11%. So the green zone efficiency has been rank and terrible. And by the way, it's also, uh, it goes into fantasy football running backs. Running backs have been terrible. Do you realize there's, there are, there are 10 running backs in the national football league that have averaged over 15 fantasy points per game. The first two weeks, Henry McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Cook, Swift. This is full point PPR. That's why Swift is up there. Eckler, my guy. Joe Mixon, Daryl Henderson, and Cordero freaking Patterson. Ugh, garbage. Garbage. That's because of a big week, too. But, I mean, that's – and, by the way, 15 points a game was right where Tony Pollard is at. Jamal Williams is right there. So, I mean, these are not – these are backup running backs. They're not a lot. Guys like David Montgomery and um, Chris Carson and Alvin Kamara and Jonathan Taylor and Zeke Elliott and Antonio Gibson and you know the, James Robinson. We all know that. And Jake, Josh Jacobs. And 
have been crazy disappointing running backs through the first two weeks. Now, this is only two weeks. Is it time to panic on any of those guys? No, it's not time to panic on Zeke at all. Tony Pollard is not a starting running back in fantasy football. Not until Zeke goes down. Maybe that happens. Maybe, who knows? Maybe Pollard overtakes him because he is the better back, but it's not the way it works. So, you know, be careful with your running back. And when, if you're sitting on a Jonathan Taylor, you're going to get a ton of volume this week against Tennessee, just an absolute ton. And I'll tell you something else. It's not just Jonathan Taylor is going to be fine because he's going to convert on those short yardage carries. Eric Fisher came back. Now he didn't play a ton uh, at left tackle, but you've got a really good offensive line and running the football. It'll be effective for the Indianapolis Colts. There's no doubt in my mind. And we will get positive regression or if you will, progression. How about that? On it, with those red and green zone numbers by Jonathan Taylor. Now, now there's the other way to capitalize on this. And specifically, if you want a little sneaky peeky in week number three, his name is Naheem Hines. He's the guy in Indianapolis when they're trailing, which you saw, they just got a, he's got a huge contract. You know, when you look at the snap counts for Indianapolis over the first two weeks, 44.8% goes to Jonathan Taylor. It's a low amount. 37.3 to Naheem Hines. So there, I'm sorry, that's week two only. That that was this past week when they were trailing. If you go um, uh, onto the full season, though, the numbers are 50.3 for Jonathan Taylor, but 41.3 to Naheem Hines. That's a lot of usage. And specifically when you're talking about obvious passing situations, you're talking about young quarterbacks like Jacob Eason, assuming he plays, having to check down because he's not reading the coverage properly and all that. It's not a bad way to go. I I think it's a very intriguing. And Naheem Hines gets red zone usage at times too for this Colts team. And I think he's a sneaky, real sneaky start as a flex option here in week number three. Other takeaways, uh, things that stood out to me um, over week number two, at least. I don't know about the Saints. Coaching matters. I said that on the Monday SiriusXM show. They were out nine assistant coaches for that wretched loss to um, uh, the Patriots over this past weekend. It was, uh, or not the Patriots, that's who they play this weekend. Uh, over the, who the frick did the Saints play? What, why am I absolutely, who'd they get absolutely slaughtered? Oh, Panthers, duh. Um, slaughtered by Carolina. I mean, that was, uh, that was just bad. And coming off a huge win against Green Bay, just something's uneven about that. I'm willing to chalk it up to coaches not being there and, and Sean Payton having to do everything himself. You don't realize the importance of all these assistants until you start going through them. And I learn about this stuff by going through my coaching breakdowns every year in fantasyguru.com. And you start seeing position coaches when they go from one team to the other, nobody talks about it, but you, all of a sudden you see certain players and certain positions perform a lot better because of coaching. And that's how these guys get on the head coaching radar and eventually become head coach. Guys like Brandon Staley, head coach of the Chargers right now. Guys like, uh, you know, Robert Sala, who we know is a defensive-minded guy. Uh, a player, you know, David Cully, for crying out loud, uh, was with Baltimore. And he kind of really helped simplify the passing game for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and kind of did the same for Tyrod Taylor through a game and a half in Houston. 
Houston still sucks, by the way. Make no mistake about it. They they are fucking terrible. But um, uh, that is that. Uh, oh, speaking of that game, Cleveland. I don't really talk about Cleveland very much. Limp through it. Jarvis Landry going on injured reserve. He's out at least three weeks with a t- uh, partially torn MCL. That's how they call sprain. It's actually a partial tear. But Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be back this week. So make sure you're ready for that. The, the Bears are very susceptible to deep passing routes and fast wide receivers. Now Beckham's coming off a torn ACL first game back. Does he still, ha- is he still that explosive? He's still that fast. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but I mean, so he is a very sneaky play and a guy that is a top 36 option for us this week at the wide receiver position in fantasy football. Um, some hits and misses for us. Uh, for myself, the advice that I gave, uh, I'll start out with the good, because why not? Uh, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, my quarterbacks that all did well. How about how about Daniel Jones? And this is something I'm going to talk about in my two quarterback league, because I started Daniel Jones in my Superflex league, my Hall of Fantasy league. And when I draft every, I have Daniel Jones as my number two quarterback in all three of my super flex drafts. Now I do have Justin Fields and a couple of those and fields will be starting this week. And I expect fields to outperform Jones, or at least I did to start the season, but he is a rookie. It will be uneven. I would absolutely start Daniel Jones over fields. In fact, Daniel Jones is top 15 quarterback on my board and my projections and rankings of fantasy guru this week. He's going to tuck it and run all the freaking time. He'll, second in the league in rushing yards amongst quarterbacks and uh, behind only Lamar Jackson shouldn't be that, you know, that big of a surprise really. So, um, you know, just understand that, you know, Daniel Jones, he's got a ton of weapons there as well. Just an absolute downright ton of weapons. So uh, something to take into account and great matchup for him against the Atlanta Falcons. But um, you know, we're right about him. So far, so good. Right about him week two. Right about him going forward. Uh, running backs, Austin Eckler, you've got nine receptions. How about that? Nine targets, nine receptions, 61 yards receiving only. Only carried the ball nine times for 54. Didn't get in the box, but again, uh, fifth most fantasy points among running backs in a game that the Chargers offense really did not do what they should have done against Dallas, a banged up Dallas team. That was one of the biggest disappointments from week two for Eckler and, uh, or uh, for the Chargers overall, I should say. And uh, that's what the, you know, that that's just the a function of that offense and the function of the role that Austin Eckler is going to play there. So um, like that, Elijah Mitchell carrying the load. That was something I was very proud of. Now all three 49ers running backs, Sermon, Mitchell, and Jamichael Hasty, they're all hurt. Hasty's going to be out for a while. The high ankle sprain. Mitchell's got the shoulder. Sermon had a concussion. So we don't know where this is going to land, especially as I'm recording this now. I'll look ahead into week three a little bit, but Mitchell was set to be the guy. He carried the ball 17 times, got 19 total touches. Pretty darn good. Wasn't very effective. I think he logged 53 yards total, but it was good to see him emerge as that role. Derrick Henry specifically in DFS. 
DFS in week two. What can I say? Our people at EliteFantasy.com, we cashed 15 out of 17 weeks last year. So there was very little panic, very little upset. It was a magic carpet ride, if you will. We crushed everybody. We went wire to wire in week one. Then week two happened, and my big call of the week, one of the things I was I missed out on, and I was uh, I, I missed on was Miles Sanders for the uh, um, Philadelphia Eagles. He sucked. He's a big miss for me, and I used him in DFS. But my, that was my number one running back this week. My number two was Derrick Henry, and Miles Sanders was. Four percent owned, maybe even less. And but Derrick Henry is only eleven percent owned in DFS. So be careful. Everybody talks about, oh yeah, use Henry. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. He was my number two. He wasn't anybody else's number two. It was a huge fucking hit, a monster hit, and it happened in the second half of the second games. So I got absolutely destroyed by some people. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm a shitty analyst. How wrong am I? Fuck me and Miles Sanders, blah, blah, blah. It's like, my God. And truth be told, I thought, yeah, we're dead. Lineups are dead. We have no chance. No chance. And we didn't. We did have a lot of ownership. We had guys, Keenan Allen and uh, DeAndre Hopkins and CD Lamb going in those later games. But, and Derrick Henry, of course. We didn't expect anybody put up 45 points. Nobody came close to Derrick Henry last week, by the way, in, in uh, fantasy points. Like nobody came close to him. You realize that Aaron Jones on Monday night had 41 points. He had four touchdowns, but Henry had 47.7 fantasy points. All right. In the main slate of games, he had over, he had double what Christian McCaffrey had, who was second. In scoring at the running back position, you doubled up and you doubt. So having him at 11% is one of the biggest wins probably that we'll have all year long. It was that type of an amazing call. And it's why a bunch of people win. Now, not everybody won. Some of you are subscribers on elitefantasy.com and didn't win. We didn't, we cast just over half of our cash games, just barely over. And so we didn't win every contest in cash as a result. But we did win a GPP, and that was because of, of Derrick Henry. And it wound up being a profitable week. And a bunch of our folks did cash because of, literally just because of him. There's, there's some other shitty calls. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson was good. Um, Derrick Henry is fantastic. Miles Sanders sucked as well. But again, like, like Russell Wilson was the sixth highest scoring quarterback of the slate and the only one with any significant ownership. Murray had a little bit of ownership. Brady had a little bit of ownership, but that was it. That was legitimately it. Cousins was hardly owned. That was a great GPP call was in the article, by the way, in Chris Rose's article, our quarterback coach on elite fantasy as well. So Wilson was a win. Sanders was a big effing L Mike Evans. Our core four guy was a huge win at the wide receiver position. Another guy that was top four at the position for the entire slate, the fourth highest scored two touchdowns as well. So that was huge. And then uh, the tight end sucked because George Kittle didn't do anything. However, Kelsey wasn't on the slate. Waller didn't do very much. Hawkinson wasn't on the slate. Gronk didn't have much ownership, did have some. So people, that was a GPP winning type play. 
but nobody had Max Williams. Nobody did zero. And I mean, zero people, Jack Doyle, zero people, uh, Foster Moreau, zero people. Nobody had these guys. So we didn't really miss out on it very much. We lost by about seven points on at the tight end position over with the mediocre ownership guys, guys who did well, like Pitts and like Kyle or uh, yeah, Kyle Pitts and no offense. I lost about seven points, those guys. And so we had to make that up. And that's where, you know, Russ helped. Evans definitely helped right there. And if you used Eric Henry, you smashed everything. It wouldn't, the rest of your lineup didn't matter. So um, other hits, Cortland Sutton sticking with him, Mike Williams, Jamar Chase, huge. Jamar Chase is the number one in Cincinnati. Make no mistakes about it. He is the guy, not even a question. Michael Pittman did very well for us. Henry Ruggs in the seasonal environment did well for us after a bad week one stuck with Ruggs, not as a starter, but I had a lot of asks whether it should cut him. And I emphatically said no on that. So uh, those were some of the good calls, the bad calls. Justin Herbert did love him. Now, what a great pivot using Russell Wilson in daily fantasy football over Justin Herbert. That's a huge huge play because this is a guy who was 40% owned in cash games and scored 14 points only. So we, we had considerably big advantage, considerable big advantage with Russell Wilson over him. Um, I did like Jameis Winston going into last week and it was terrible. Um, that was a bad, just a bad call. I, I don't know what, again, I blame it on the coaching. It'll be very interesting to see Winston on the road at Foxborough against Belichick and the New England Patriots this coming week. And then Miles Sanders was just a horrific call. What happened with Miles Sanders? Plenty of red zone opportunity, green zone opportunity. They didn't give him the ball. Got one opportunity, got stuffed. He did get a carry. If those who watch the game, go back and watch it. Um, You know, if you can. You, uh, he got the carry would have got in, but they blew the play dead due to an illegal shift penalty. And I forgot what happened then. And that's the drive. I think Jalen hurts ran it instead. So that's something, um, variance there. And then Kenny Gainwell got the two point conversion that would have helped, but, uh, I still, I don't have Miles Sanders. I was not big into him for the season, dicking around with their running backs and the offensive line problems. Now, Brandon Brooks did get hurt in that game. That hurt, that hurts a lot on the right side of that offense line in Philadelphia. But I got to say, if I'm holding Miles Sanders in a seasonal format, I'm not disappointed long-term. I hate this effort. I hate, you know, completely shit the better in a positive matchup against 49ers, but I think he's going to be all right. I'm not touching him in daily. And luckily Monday night football, <laughs> he's showdown slate only this time around. So um, what else? Uh, oh, Cooper cup. That's the guy I'm just wrong about overall wrong about going into the season, but I've said this several times on the Sirius XM show. I'll reiterate it here. Come on, man. You guys, you don't need every single breakout player. You don't need every, I'm not making an excuse. I wish I did the analysis is right. There's, I would dare you to convince me otherwise. I really do. 
What are you going to say about Cooper Cup? This is a guy not on the radar. Jared Goff's roommate, Jared Goff's teammate. Jared Goff got him to be drafted two rounds higher than he should have been drafted in this in the uh, in that draft class. Jared Goff threw him all the time, was comfortable with him. It was Jared Goff's guy. Now, again, the poor part of that analysis is because he was Jared Goff's guy doesn't mean he couldn't be Matt Stafford's guy. I addressed this before the season too, and I said, you're absolutely right. Anybody who asked me that, and I think very few of you asked me that, by the way, I answered the question anyway. But the, the problem with that is that Jared, or I'm sorry, Matt Stafford, simply doesn't have that high rate to uh, throw into the slot. His uh, wide receiver target rate overall for Matthew Stafford, you know, 58.85 going into the season. That's a career number. That's relatively low. When you get into other quarterbacks, you get, you know, guys like Roethlisberger, who's been around similarly, you know, as long Aaron Rodgers and even Jared Goff, for instance, Jared Goff, 65.58, Roethlisberger and uh, um, uh, Rodgers and all those guys have like 66, 67% wide receiver target rate. So much less higher when it comes to tight ends and things like that for Matt Stafford. Now, different offense. Absolutely. And I accounted for that. I, I accounted for that, but he throws to the outside receivers always did in Detroit, even in three wide receiver sets. Remember I go through the formation. I don't say, well, they play more wide receiver sets. That's why he throws. No, of course I accounted for all that. His target rate out of to the slot wide receiver 18.76% over his career. That is, uh, I, I don't have the rankings. I just have the raw number here. That is, I know it's bottom eight. I want to say it's bottom five of all quarterbacks with at least a thousand pass attempts. So that was the analysis. Wasn't this guy never throws to the slot. Yeah. Much higher on Robert Woods. The, the dedication to the run game, which LA's had. It's why we wanted Henderson, why we wanted Sony Michelle. Okay. Why we wanted Cam Akers before he went down. That's the reason. Now I missed on it. He it turns out it seems to be Cooper Cup is Matthew Stafford's guy. I will also say Cooper Cup lining up outside a lot more than he did in the previous three years. Fine. Could I have accounted for that? Yes, probably should have not the way I was going to go about it. They've moved Van Jefferson uh, inside a lot more than they have in, in recent in previous years. So these are the reasons. And, but at the end of the day, I missed it. And cup looks like the guy and that's great, but it's not a death knell to the season guys. I mean, come on, man. There's so many good things happening. So many positive situations that we've put ourselves in that you're going to go up against other great players. If you've played in a lot of championship games in fantasy football, you're always going to, you know it, you're going to go, you have to get through Alvin Kamara last year, right? The number one score, you're going to have to go through Patrick Mahomes that in that magical 2018 season and Lamar Jackson, that 2019 season, you have to go up against good people because that's other teams have good players too. They will stumble into it. They will luck into it. 
They'll trade into it. They'll waver their way into it. They'll do it. But so, you know, somebody you're going to have, you have to face an opponent in championship game. And normally those are good teams, you know, but again, would you rather have, uh, you know, Cooper cup going against you, or would you rather have um, Mike Evans or uh, would you rather have, uh, I suppose, you know, for where they're drafted, um, trying to think of a guy similar, Keenan Allen. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, freaking what Adam Thielen, I guess. I don't know. I, I would rather be against Cup. So I think the Rams have more ways to hurt you, and they will go in different directions. Cup's big touchdowns have been broken plays, literally not covered. So, um, but nevertheless, so that is a miss for sure. Uh, elsewhere, uh, I think that's good for the uh, week two recap. I mean, in DFS, stay with it, everybody. Not going to win every single slate. The 15 out of 17, I told you, never lied about it, that that's some sort of what we're going to go. We're going to go 18 for 18 this year. It's never going to happen. Uh, sometimes, by the way, what pisses some people off is that some weeks I win and you don't, and that bothers you. Understood. But that's has to happen sometimes for you to really understand. I think this is the the part that you know some a lot of folks don't understand is that um, you think I hey I told you Miles Sanders was a bad play. It was a bad play. I'm now better than you. Nope, not how it works. It just doesn't work that way. You know, if that would be uh, this industry would have a lot of turnover. I mean, it has a lot of turnover. It'd have even more every week. Somebody would be out. You're going to make bad calls. You're going to make plays that are good calls. Look, I think Miles Sanders was a great call. That just didn't work out. Things will things will happen. You're going to miss. And some weeks you don't. There are plenty of we. I have been sitting there on a losing week for myself, retweeting the hell out of the elite mafia because most of you all won and you did something, you did something right. That's fantastic. So the key needs to be always get better. Every single, uh, if you work in automotive and you're wrenching on uh, a carburetor back in the day, I'm old. I know everything's fuel injection now, but you're, you're wrenching on it and wrenching on it. Uh, it could be a DIY household, putting together bar stools or tables or whatever the fuck you're doing. Inch by inch, man, in DFS, gain as many half percents, one percents, five percents as you possibly can. Start stacking those up. Start making those better decisions. Do it more. Do it consistently. Keep going in the same direction. The problem people have with DFS is you go in a direction. I don't know how many people. Oh, I followed your cash core four. Fantastic. Then last week, core four was, I think for our target, the core four came out, depending on what site you're, you were using, about one point. We'll call it a point, not even. I think it's fractions of one point, but one point under our target. Okay. It's okay. I mean, again, we have a target for a reason. We have to hit the target. Absolutely. We want to exceed the target. But if you can make, if you can gain that 1% and, doing a, the right kind of contest, single entry 50-50. If you could do it with the zero fat lineup that you have ownership, you got you used a Derrick Henry or a Mike Evans at a sub-20% ownership. You've now made up 
at 1%. You've made up 5 to 8% all of a sudden. You see? And, and that helps you get over the finish line, even when things don't go perfect for you, even though you don't have a magical ride where every player hits 2x plus. So gaining those advantages is very, very important. And every week you should be able to learn something, whether it's the type of player, the contest, the amount you put into play, because you'll use a lot more money than you should be using in a given week. And you're chasing your previous wins or you're chasing your previous losses. You just maintain consistency. And then people will play the cash core for the next week. They're like, oh, it came up short. So I'm not playing it this week. And it's like, oh my God. And then you're like, wow, did you win? Now, now you get even more pissed because you use a different core four because you thought the core four was going to come up short because it did last week. No, no, stay the course, stay the course. And we're seeing it in the seasonal fantasy football environment too. So many bad drops. I asked uh, each of the last two Wednesdays on the Sirius XM show, I asked, tell me, screen, show me screenshots of, I want screenshots of the best players dropped in your fantasy football league. And man, I got Aaron Rodgers last week. We had Aaron Jones last week. We have had um, just unbelievable bad decisions early on in the year. There was an Austin Eckler drop last week. There was, um, uh, I mentioned uh, the Aaron Jones scored four touchdowns. Cortland Sutton was dropped two weeks after week one. You know, all that. This week, uh, we're seeing a ton of them as well. An absolute ton. People are dropping Sony Michelle, and they're dropping DJ Chark. DJ Chark for a defense. They're dropping Sony Michelle for nothing. Jo- Justin Herbert got dropped for Derek Carr. Um you know, dropping um, uh, Trey Lance for Derek Carr. It's another one. Uh, dropping Mark Andrews for David Njoku. I mean, come on, man. Like, what the frick is wrong with some of you people? Like, serious, it's so bad. And this is all from overreacting. It's all about a lack of confidence. If you are a follower of mine on social media, you li- I mean, you're listening to the podcast, so you have to be either you, you got to know me from SiriusXM or Fantasy Guru or Elite Fantasy, Elite Sports Betting, whatever. You know what, you motherfuckers? You know, I could say this. this is, I, I always forget. I'm not on radio. I could say, you motherfuckers should shut the fuck up and follow me. I got you, man. You fucking trust me. I trust me. I know this shit. Bro, I'm on another fucking planet from some of these other analysts. No offense to anybody. This is what I do. Am I a good-looking guy? No. Do I have a beautiful singing voice? No. I was pretty athletic back in my day, but now I'm getting fat and old and bones are messed up and fucking, I mean, goddamn. I have have a lot of problems. This shit, I know. It's like a lot of you. Every one of you have a career, all right? Every one of you. You're a mechanic, you're a carpenter, you're on Wall Street, you're, uh, I don't know, you design shit, you're a quality control engineer, you're fucking, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know, you do all kinds of things. I have this theory in my life, and it's, I know that a lot of folks don't, because even my, my wife, my family, everyone always questions me. I trust the people that know, that are in that field. 
Right. If I, you know, I got a pest control guy that, you know, here in Arizona, you got to make sure you have pest control. So the scorpions and the snakes and stuff stay away. Yeah. I trust that guy, man. He knows, he knows what amount to mix and where to put it and all the, all the things I trust. I don't say, you know what? I think that you should uh, use a little different 10 to two compound instead of the 11 to one, because I don't fucking know. Well, I Googled it. This guys fucking Google, man. You know, every one of you, have a great set of skills. I can't cook. Oh my God. I honestly, like for real, could not, like I can make macaroni and cheese and like pancakes. Like I make a frozen pizza. I, could, I don't cook. I just don't do it. I don't, I never learned it. I never did it. I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm done. But I go to a restaurant. I'm like, this steak isn't right. No, I eat the fucking steak. Sebastian Maniscalco has a great line about that. Like what? Who bitching at restaurants? The, the people do this at restaurants because they do it at home. I think that's what it's like in fantasy analysis too, where you're like, I do this at home, so I think I'm better than the chef. There's, there's sometimes you don't like the fucking food. And Sebastian Maniscalco says, you know, my wife and I, we eat, eat the food. I say the salmon sucked. Let's get the fuck out of here. And that's it. That's into the. That's it. You don't bitch to everybody. You don't write it on Yelp. You don't complain on Twitter and social media. This is what I do. All right, that's it. This is it. I put a ton of work. I don't know. None of you understand the amount of work that I put in this. Every during the football season, I don't have an hour. I don't have a 15 minute block of time where it's not accounted for. I'm either watching tape, rewatching stuff, doing uh, uh, statistical analysis, charting uh, everything that I check wide receiver corners and personnel groupings and all that stuff and running uh, my spreadsheets and then updating the site, chatting with you, doing a show, doing a podcast, watching film. It's like no, no time. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Shut the fuck up. Listen to what I say and you're going to be good. Will a player that I like not perform? Absolutely. Is it going to happen two, three, four, five times? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The people that follow my advice and information that don't win are the ones that are wishy-washy. You're back and forth and forth and back, and you think you know this, and your buddy says this, and peer pressure this, and then you read this on Yahoo or this host on Sirius says this, and this podcast tells you to do this, and you get all flummoxed in your mind, and the week you trust me, one of the plays didn't work. And then you say, fuck, man, I'm going to go this way. And then a bunch of mine hit three weeks in a row, and then you say, oh, now I'm going to go back to them, and then it hits. Oh, it never works for me. You suck. No, no. Facts are facts. The amount of people that have done what I do for 16 years that are still around or relevant anywhere, you could count them on one hand. One hand. And then put the broadcasting element, put the business side on another one of it, put the large following on another, and you've got, you can count them on one to two fingers. So just follow me, just trust me. Or don't get the fuck out. Like, fine. I don't have a problem with that. Just get the fuck out. Go follow somebody else. Go do whatever. But God, it gets annoying having to explain myself at every single solitary point. You know why I like certain players. I make it very well known. 
I, in DFS, I do huge write-ups on players. I shouldn't even do it. People tell me all the time, oh, you write too much. It's like a book. You don't need to write a book every... Well, I want to make sure everybody understands the why behind it. And then I have this podcast and other shows and everything else. So you all know why I like a player and don't like a player. Like the Cooper Cup thing. You know why. So... There we go. All right. I got to get to this other thing. Um, I want to talk about two quarterback leagues here for a moment, everybody. Um, two quarterback leagues. All summer long, Superflex was the biggest, uh, most popular gaining, gaining the most popularity amongst all fantasy football league formats. There is. All right. So many two quarterback leagues, super flex leagues. What super flex means is you have one starting quarterback and then another super flex position where it's a quarterback, running back receiver or tight end. That's what a super flex is. And it's the way it goes. Anytime you say super flex, you basically just say two quarterbacks because nobody ever starts another player other than a quarterback, even though I think it is a viable strategy sometimes. So the hall of fantasy league at the H O F L on Twitter, for those who don't know or aren't following, but before the season started, it's a 10 team league made up of all professionals. And it's the most competitive league you'll ever see with some of the biggest names in fantasy sports industry. I'm actually quite honored to have been asked to be a part of it. And I'm very proud of it. And it's a very competitive, tough league. It's going to be absolutely brutal. Um, so it's only 10 teams though. So a little different strategies and it's a two QB. It's a super flex league as well. We did the draft back in mid August. So several weeks before the season and, you know, going into it, I, I know a lot of these guys, I know all these guys that they're all in the industry. I've known them for years. I know how they drafted and stuff like that. And, you know, in this league format, people were able to buy shares of the teams, which meant, you know, they threw like a, a prize pool into it, the league itself. And then people could buy shares. Now it's the first time in history it's been done where you got to buy a share. And I, I am the owner of the Las Vegas pocket Kings. And there's the, the New York bodega cats and the Boston barflies and Philly powder cakes and Atlanta hot weeks, Ohio goats, Seattle, Hayes, LA sidekicks, Texas dollars, Chicago hog mollies, all these teams you can buy stakes in any of it. We were supported immensely well. And I know some of you are listening that are investors in the league. This is a serious thing. Okay. I've never, I've always, I always have taken my subscribers, my listeners, your bankrolls, your winning to heart. It's always meant something to me because I know the feeling. I truly know what you guys go through and what you're trying to accomplish. Money, uh, pride, bragging to your friends and buddy. I, I get it. I get all of it because I've been through it and I've been there and I'm still there with you in the trenches. I'm a player. I played 20 leagues. I played five, you know, five, I played $10,000 of high stakes league. I let my son do a high stakes fantasy football league in the FFPC this year. You know, I think he actually has two, he has three, two teams in the FFPC this year. All right. So, you know, I play DFS thousands and, thousands of dollars a week. So, you know, it's important. And I know it's important to you. So when somebody chooses to be invested in my team and trust me, I take that very seriously. And going into the draft this year, I knew because of the advice given out 
across the industry that when you tell somebody it's a two quarterback league, the default position is to say, well, two quarterback early quarterback, quarterback, gotta go. It becomes almost like a, it's a quarterback league instead of or a quarter, two rounds of quarterbacks. And then you start the real draft. And that's kind of the way a lot of people take it. And, you know, in this league format back in you know August or whatever, um, six out of the first 10 picks were quarterbacks. Three teams chose quarterbacks in their, with their first two picks. So 30% of the league, 60% had at least one. And I was one of three teams only that didn't choose a quarterback in either round one or round number two. And I ended up outweighing everybody because I didn't draft a quarterback. I don't know, can't remember, honestly. It's been a while. Uh, I think it was round nine by the time I drafted a quarterback. I just didn't. Right. And I had the first pick of this draft. So I could have had Mahomes or Kyler or any of these. And fuck, I love Mahomes, love Kyler, love what they're doing. Right. A lot of good performers right now. But I didn't do that. So I thought it would be interesting to check it out. Because after week, I lost in week one but I scored the third most amount of points in the league this past week. I had a winning week and I scored the most points in the league. And I faced the team that had the second most points in the league. Sorry to my buddy, the King Scott angle, because his New York bodega cats were doing very, very well um, scored the second most points. I only outscored them by like eight. We had the top two scoring teams of the week. So, you know, I was lucky to get a win on that. It's, I've been against that. And I know what Scott was going through. It's a brutal situation to be at that. But so we're one-on-one on the season, but I wanted to focus on the quarterback element. What about the quarterbacks? Because that was my downfall. The, my draft is McCaffrey first. I'm thrilled with that. I got Eckler. I got Hopkins, Allen Robinson, CD lamb. I got Mark Andrews, Mike Davis, all these tight, all these great players. I had, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Raheem Mostert. I've lost three running backs in this league already. But, and if I would have waited on quarterback, or if I would have went quarterback early and not got McCaffrey and Eckler, boom, boom, right away, I would be in serious trouble. Because I still would have picked Mike Davis, Raheem Mostert, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. I would have selected all of them. I would have been down really far when it came to the running back position, if I would have done that. And that's why I just don't think we need to rush it, but let's look at the results so far. And again, two weeks, this whole thing's going to be different, but I just want people to understand. Um, So in week number one, the quarterback and combining to every, every team, all 10 teams have started two quarterbacks every week. You know, including the quarterback position and the super flex. Um, in week one, Texas said the most points. Seattle, um, New York, Texas got 54, Seattle 47, New York 46, Ohio 46 out of their quarterback position, Chicago 42. And then what do you know? Little Las Vegas Pocket Kings were sixth in quarterback points in week one or with 38.12. We scored more than Philly, Atlanta, LA, and Boston. And, you know, we, a couple of these teams didn't score many points at all. The quarterback 18, 25, 29, we beat them by a significant margin. Meanwhile, you know, I lost to yeah, you know, 54 for Texas, but from the second place team, Seattle to me at 
It's only nine points. I lost four and a half points per quarterback. And my quarterbacks aren't very good, not household names. Daniel Jones and Ben Roethlisberger. Those are my guys. And that's who I bought in. My first quarterback was Justin Fields that I drafted in this league. I took Daniel Jones next and I waited because I played the game because I knew how the counterparts, they didn't like Roethlisberger. I got Roethlisberger. I had Deshaun Watson. I did take a chance with at Taysom Hill. That didn't work out. So I'm immediately down. Well, okay. So I, I have these guys. I know Justin Fields is going to start soon. Obviously this week now, I, before, even without the Dalton injury. So I knew I had him in my pocket. So I knew Roethlisberger and Jones. I just needed one of them to do well. And then we will get Justin Fields in there. He'll be running for his life, throwing for his life and put up some good fantasy weeks for us. Okay. Um, and then maybe Deshaun Watson, maybe I get him back at some point. Who knows? He's a complete lottery ticket. It's worth it though for me. Um, so I finished uh, sixth in week one and go to week two. And uh, Daniel Jones had a pretty big week, scored 30 points, I think 29.66 or whatever. Uh, week two quarterback production, Texas, LA, New York, Chicago, Vegas. Pretty consistent, right? 43.48 fantasy points amongst my quarterbacks so through two weeks and again the most anybody outscored me is the number one scoring team was nine points but the number two scoring team at quarterback was only fairly five points yeah five points ahead of me it's it two and a half per quarterback and remember do i think i could make that up with mccaffrey eckler hopkins robinson lamb yeah i do Based on my projections, again, I get nearly an 11-point advantage. So I need to stay within 11 points every week of the rest of the league in the quarterback position, and I'm right. That's why this kind of advanced analysis is important and staying on top of things. So for the year, all right, my for the entire season, in the HOFL league at least, I have um, the number one scoring team for quarterbacks only is uh, the Texas team. Texas was number one at quarterbacks in week one and week number two. Now, Texas took Russell Wilson and Tom Brady the first two rounds. So their first two picks were quarterbacks. And they, they had the ninth pick in this draft, and it's lives right up to that. They have the number one amount of points with the quarterback. And so through two games, they are one and one. One and one. Okay, same record as me. Where are they in total points? 258.38. Well, that's last in total points. In the whole league. Dead last in total points. Most points at the quarterback position. First two rounds taken quarterback. One, one, lost one. Has scored the 10th highest points or fewest points in the league. Yes, that's the way it goes. New York has scored... Uh, second most points out of quarterbacks, 94.76. They are also one and one and they have 365.06 total points, right? Uh, that's number one in the league. So again, New York, they have Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert. They had the fourth pick overall. They went quarterback, quarterback. So they have the most. Now, do you see the variance here? Do you see what I say every summer with drafting quarterbacks, 
that just because you draft quarterbacks early doesn't mean you're drafting the right quarterbacks. It doesn't mean that. And we're seeing it. Ton of points here. But one team is number one in league in points. The, number, the other one is dead last in total points. So two quarterback league, is it important? Sure, it's important. But the, what you do with the rest of your team actually matters. The quarterback position is so stable and has so many producers that giving that up for basically all it amounts to is peace of mind. And what you do with the rest of your team is very important. So um, Chicago is third in points per quarterback. They're 88.98. Um, they're second in total points at 338.52. They're 2-0. and So Chicago's having a you know, good run right there. Who do you think is fourth in the HOFL in quarterback points? It's your boy. It's me. Las Vegas, 81.6 points. I'm 1-1. One one. I have 336.2 points. Third in the league. I'm just a point and a half behind second place in total points, about 28 behind the leader in total points. I'm one and one now because I freaking played the team at the most points uh, both weeks. Well, second most because I scored. So I've got it. My schedule kind of sucks, but I've got, I have Daniel fucking Jones, Ben Roethlisberger, Justin Fields wasn't played. Deshaun Watson might not play at all. I punted quarterback for nine rounds and I'm fourth in the league in points from the quarterback position. That is a big, big deal. All right, and one other aspect, just to show you the variance that is when, when you get into a two-quarterback league, the team that's in, in uh, um, least amount of points scored amongst their quarterbacks is Atlanta, and they drafted uh, – they waited the long, second longest to me. I'm the only, they're the only one. They lasted four rounds. They tr- took Jalen Hurts in the fourth round. Now they wound up with Trevor Lawrence, been a disaster ever since. And Fitzpatrick was their third and they got hurt. So at no fault of their own, but Atlanta is only 58.1 total points amongst their quarterbacks dead last in the league. However, they're the only, the other, only other team to be two and O and they are fourth in total points. So does the quarterback really decide how well you do? Or is it all those other positions? I've always said it. It's other positions. And this is where the game theory worked for me. And it works as knowing your opponents, knowing what they're going to do. Why do, why do everybody? It's, it goes for DFS. It goes for sports betting. Why are you always in a rush to do what everybody else does? Why? Why do you want to be what everybody else? You, you, you have not played this game. You haven't been, you just don't understand it even if you're not nervous. Every week you should be nervous. You think I wasn't nervous about Miles Sanders? Oh my God. Absolutely fucking nervous about it. Of course, you need to be because you need to stand out. You need, you don't need to be different just to be different. That's also something people do, and that's just nonsense. But you, you need to do the analysis, let it roll out, and trust your thought. Don't favorite a guy don't favor a guy don't start a guy don't 
Don't chase the previous performance because it just happened because you think that's what everybody else would do. That's how everybody gets in trouble in this game, whether you're playing daily fantasy, seasonal fantasy, even sports betting. You're not going to win a championship if everybody looks at your team and says, this is fantastic. What a great job you did. Not going to happen. You don't want that. You have to be willing to be different and take your stances, calculated stances, mind you. Don't just willy-nilly it. I didn't just draft, oh, fuck it, I'll just throw anybody out. And I didn't just decide. Again, when I drafted my quarterbacks back then, I took fields first, knowing he's be the most valuable piece of real estate, knowing that the guys I figured I would get, Daniel Jones and Roethlisberger, nobody's, nobody likes these guys. Nobody thinks anything of them. But Daniel Jones is loaded with weapons around him, and Roethlisberger will be healthy for about half the season. Okay? And then, by the way, for HOFL, uh, Las Vegas Pocket Kings owner, notice a couple other things that I did that I'm proud about. Number one, picked up Jimmy Garoppolo for a dollar this past week. Somebody dropped him, and I'm like, all right, well, Garoppolo's going to start. 49ers were heating up. Garoppolo's not been atrocious. I'm, you know, again, I'm not looking for a savior, but it with, um, you know, Watson not playing and um, you know, Watson not playing and the injury to, uh, uh, or Taysom Hill being out, you know, I only have, and Fields not starting. He is now, but I, I was down an option. So throwing Jimmy Garoppolo into the mix here, you know, he's a top 18 scorer at the position right now. Jimmy Garoppolo has as many points as Dak Prescott. He has more fantasy points than Josh Allen right now. And Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill and Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to play some of the games with the matchups as well. We're going to make sure we're in or getting as many matchups as possible because I don't, have, I'm not going to rotate any of my other starters. McCaffrey, Eckler, Hopkins, Will, you know, Robinson, CD, any of that, I'm not ever rotating. Mark Andrews, never, 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 never. So that's uh, that's where we're at, and that's why I picked him up. I also, you know, made a big move with Sonny Michelle, um, put a lot of money on that. People did not like that move when I made it, but I knew Daryl Henderson. I wasn't making it for week one or two. We'll see what Daryl Henderson's status is, but likely going to miss a couple weeks. At least Cam Akers did with a similar injury at cartilage on the Rams last year. So got some insurance at that position. Don't like it this week against Tampa Bay at all. But again, another in play. So know what your weaknesses are on your team. And just always look to wrench on it. And I think the Garoppolo move was a good move just because it gives me that third or fourth option, depending if fields is starting or not up tempo games. Like it'll likely be this week against green Bay, Seattle, Arizona, Right, next couple of games for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, he's got the Rams come up. He's got, yeah, these he plays the Jaguars, he plays the Vikings, he plays the Bears, some shitty defenses too, but also teams that are going to score against the 49ers and force him to throw. So we're gonna get some some insurance, some depth there, and some good positive matchups also to uh to go by. So there you go. Just thought you guys get a kick out of that. Hopefully, you're looking back. Find the mistakes you made. Find, and it's still early enough that those draft day mistakes, you can still dig your way out of that at this point. Start getting into week six, seven, eight. 
it becomes very hard now. Now everybody, you know, you've lit the competition catch up. Right now people are either still in love with their draft picks or they absolutely despise them. Like there's very little in between right now. And aggressive, good players could always capitalize on that. Let's look into week number three, some players to start and sit in your fantasy leagues. Um, Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, all uh, very startable quarterbacks for me, depending on, you know, who else you got on your team. But I, I like Daniel Jones, as I mentioned, uh, against Atlanta is at home. I think this is, he's going to run. We saw Jalen Hurts absolutely shred the Falcons in week one on the ground. I think Daniel Jones can do something similar. And then you get up-tempo games for Matt Stafford with uh, going against Tampa Bay, scoring and scoring alike at home. Tampa Bay, you're not going to be able to run, so they're going to have to throw. So we like that matchup. Kirk Cousins, Minnesota does not have their defense figured out. And Russell Wilson will be able to throw. Russell Wilson, you realize Seattle Minnesota have played in every regular season, but two, actually technically, but three, but one year they played in the playoffs during Russell, since Russell Wilson was drafted in 2012. These teams know each other like division opponents and Russ puts up big numbers against them. So um, Kirk Cousins will have to throw again and he's been doing well and putting up top 12 numbers as a result. Uh, Tyson Williams, start him against Detroit. I think Lat Marie. I have Tyson Williams as an RB2. Lat Murray is a flex option for us, but that's a positive game script for him. Chase Edmonds of the Cardinals, another very positive game for him in Jacksonville. Love that. I don't, they're not going to have to run and throw all over Jacksonville to win. They'll get some of that early, but we're seeing a lot of Chase Edmonds, even James Connor gets into the mix. Devontae Smith, Marvin Jones, Juju Smith Schuster, Jared Cook, all guys that I have as starters at their positions this week. Some folks to bench, Ryan Tannehill against Indianapolis, especially if Jacob Eason plays. Tennessee will win, but they're going to win on the ground. Derrick Henry tears up Indianapolis on the ground too. I feel like our offense coordinator, Chad Downing, realized this after half the game in Seattle last week and said, fuck it, we're just going to throw give it to Derrick Henry and we'll see what happens. And Henry brought him all the way back. I think he learned just like Arthur Smith before him. Got to just give the ball, the big guy and let him go. And if Easton starts Indianapolis is going to slow this pace down to a halt, absolute slow it down to a halt. That will be a problem for him. Um, sitting him sitting Joe Burrow against Pittsburgh and the road. Is this outside my top 12? Justin Fields not starting him this week either. Uh, HOFL league for me. I, I, that's a two quarterback league. I'm likely not going to start him either. Now I'm monitoring Ben Roethlisberger's pectoral injury. If he can't go, likely going to start Justin Fields um, this week over Jimmy Garoppolo just because I get that rushing floor, if you will. Uh, don't like start rookie quarterbacks. Fields will be fine. But I want to see a couple games first. I think this is a tough one on the road against Cleveland. Next week against Detroit, love Justin Fields. Um, other players, I'm sitting. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, sitting him. Sony Michelle or Daryl Henderson, whoever starts sitting them. Tony Pollard, don't even do it. A bad mistake. You're going to wait till Monday to start Tony Pollard. It's a bad idea. Bad idea. He's not going to cut into Zeke's workload the way he did in week two all the time. He'll have some games like that. But this is still Zeke's backfield. Pollard barely get not even a third of snaps. And that's with a near 50-50 split last week. So it's just not 
he'll have those big games by weeks as a flex. I could understand it and just hope he gets a big workload. Like last week, you don't have bye weeks. You have not the greatest of matchups against Philadelphia. It's just not, you shouldn't be starting Tony Pollard period. Um, other players to sit Marquez Callaway, Marquise Hollywood Brown may be excited after his first two weeks. I'm sitting him. I think unless he scores early, they're just not going to need him this whole second half of that ball game. I'm benching him. Tyler Boyd, Tyler Higby, both on the bench for me this week. Let's do uh, our uh, every week. I give my survivor picks. EliteSportsBetting.com is the place to get that information. Again, if you already are a Fantasy Guru subscriber or an Elite Fantasy subscriber and you want in on the weekly football bets, the survivor pools, the prop bets, the betcha app picks of the week, uh, all of that stuff we have at EliteSportsBetting.com. Just email us support at elitefantasy.com. Tell them you want the big three package or tell them man sent you that you're a fantasy guru subscriber or an elite fantasy subscriber, whatever. And, uh, and this works if you're an elite sports betting subscriber or however, and you want to add another one of our services, it's, we, we cut the price by about 50%, quite honestly. Um, I think it's 42 to 50%, depending on the week. They have a whole scale in there, but uh, just go, and do it. Just tell them you want the best deal and they will hook you up. I promise. Uh, my survivor pick this week, it's a tough survivor week. You know, I've used, um, I wouldn't pick Tampa Bay, but I've used Tampa Bay. Uh, Cleveland, I used Cleveland last week. Um, kind of not what I'm looking for. You know, Buffalo's a heavy favorite. Uh, Denver's a heavy favorite. Arizona against Jacksonville. Baltimore against Detroit. Carolina on Thursday, Thursday night game. Um, I'm not going to use Thursday night games yet. I could, I understand why you'd go that direction. I don't like using Thursday games because I think there is some variance there. Not enough practice time, not enough rest, better athletes, not regenerating as quick. You know, those types of things worry me about using a survivor on a Thursday night game. Um, do we want to use Baltimore here against Detroit on the road? Arizona, do we want to use them against Jacksonville on the road? Maybe, you know, the, I'm not the way I play survivors, not, I'm not holding guys in reserve very often. I'm not thinking, Oh, I'll just use them some other time. That's not the way I like to go about it. I like to make guarantee, but you do have to look ahead a little bit in some of these contests. And I know for instance, Arizona has a home game against the Houston Texans coming up later on this year. Kind of feels like, you know, something that I I might want to uh, invest in. We know Baltimore plays Cincinnati twice this year um, as well. They play um, several winnable games later on the Cincinnati games, you know, late in the season, save one of those good teams for that team. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Denver Broncos. You know I love the Denver Broncos. I've bet them both weeks. Doesn't feel like two road games, by the way, for Denver. And feels like Vegas wasn't sure about them, but they look good. I know how good that defense is. That secondary specifically, absolutely locked down. Even though they did lose Ronald Darby to an injury, he's on IR for at least three, four weeks. 
So um, we'll see how they – I'm going to go Denver, though, over the Jets. What I saw, you got to attack Zach Wilson with pressure. It's what Bill Belichick did in uh, week two and guy threw three interceptions on five passes, including his first two. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go Denver Broncos in this week. So at home. So that's my survivor pick. My best bet of the week. Here's I, I got an over under for you. Bet lock this in right now. Cause this number is going to deflate. I see Miami and the Las Vegas Raiders. I see him 45 all over the board. MGM has him at 46 right now as an over-under. Remember, two is out. Jacoby Brissett for Miami, he's looked terrible. Looked bad in the preseason. Looked terrible in week two. Now, he'll get some time, but Miami's traveling to Las Vegas. Raucous environment. That Vegas crowd was a big deal in week number one in their upset. And, uh, you know, Las Vegas with a lead doesn't throw the ball. They don't attack. They slow down the pace as well. And not to mention uh, Miami's defense is pretty freaking good. I just don't like, there's not going to be a lot of points this game. There's not Vegas defense. I don't believe in, but you attack them on the ground. Miami hasn't been able to run the football offensive line is playing like shit. And you have Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball. (laughs) That's an under folks. If you get 46, take it 45 and a half is where uh, FanDuel and DraftKings and, uh, Caesars all has it right now. I'm going under that number. My upset of the week. Uh, here's an upset that shouldn't be an upset. Why are the San Francisco 49ers favored over the Green Bay Packers? Were we impressed with Green Bay against Detroit? Not in the first half. Turned on the second half. But we know Aaron Rodgers always gears up for his trip to the Bay Area. It's where he's from, the hometown team. He always gets up for that. And the 49ers aren't good. Just let's just say it. You can run all over these guys. Why did I use Miles Sanders last week? Because I know you can gouge that 49er defense on the run. And their secondary sucks. Two, this is not a good defense at all. So they did get Kinlaw back last week, by the way. I, I didn't use that as a crutch or an excuse, but kind of didn't help. Uh, he wasn't supposed to play, but he did. Better against run, but either way, I missed it. It doesn't matter. No excuses. Green Bay is going to beat San Francisco, and they're four-point favorites, the 49ers right now. Mm. So I'm taking that one as the upset special of the week. All right, folks, I think that's about it for us here on episode 84. Hopefully you got something out of this solo podcast here today. We'll bring uh, some guests on in the days and weeks ahead. Got a fantasy football roundtable scheduled for you a couple episodes from now as well. So uh, hopefully get Ted Schuster back on after the baseball season, let him kick around and bitch and complain about life in general. Ray flowers will be on here coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Get some of our new talent mixed up in here as well. Again, folks, if you are interested in any of the services you heard here today, fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com, elitesportsbetting.com. If you're a subscriber to the others, just email us and get you the best deal. Otherwise, if you're a first-time possible subscriber, use Radio 20 as a promo code to get 20% off anything we offer. Just lowered the prices after a couple of weeks here as well. So um, 20% plus the lowered price is a pretty good deal for you out there. Follow me, Jeff Mans at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, 
and TikTok. While you're out there, check out my betcha guarantee of the week for Thursday night football, Carolina, Houston. Check that out at Jeff underscore man's on my Twitter feed. Sign up for Betcha. Use the that's B-E-T-C-H-A. It's an app. It's wonderful. And um, I will guarantee a Thursday night winner for everybody out there. So, uh, again, I'll do that on my Twitter feed. But you got to use the app. And then use the promo code Elite, E-L-I-T-E, for that. And it gets you a 100% deposit bonus and a lot of freebies. And you could friend me on the betcha app and you could follow all my picks all the plays that i do win just like me i love when you guys could win along with me. that makes it all worthwhile thanks for downloading and subscribing and commenting on this episode and all the others appreciate each and every one of you that'll do it episode 84 in the books you may disagree with some or all the things you heard today and it's perfectly all right folks why because it was one man's opinion see you next time everybody Deuces.